Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another edition of the Mickey Bog Podcast. I am your host, Jared. I am alongside Alyssa Antonelli once again, my trusty co-host for about a month now. It's been great so far. She hasn't left. She still likes me. Uh, we're still friends. So far, so good. But I did want to mention, as always, that speaking of Alyssa, who is the co-owner of Mickey Travels, this episode and every episode of the Mickey Blog Podcast is brought to you by Mickey Travels. We'll talk more about them later on in the episode. But today's episode is going to be strictly focused on the Epcot festivals. There are four of them. They are hugely popular. It's a huge reason why people keep returning and returning and returning to Epcot every single year, and a huge reason why people visit Epcot at different times of the year. So we're gonna talk about all four festivals with the second half of the episode being primarily focused on Food and Wine Festival because at the time of recording this episode, next week is when uh, the Epcot Food and Wine Festival officially begins, which is, very exciting. It's probably the most popular out of the four festivals. And uh, I'm I'm just really excited to talk about it. But I have a lot of love for all four festivals. So before we jump into it, Alyssa, how are you doing today? Doing great. I'm excited about the upcoming festival. Always excited about a new festival coming, one ending, one beginning. Uh, and as you know, Mickey Blog's going to be there. Absolutely. Mickey Blog will be there. We'll be there yes. opening day. We have multiple people on the ground on opening day. Tons of writers, tons of people across the entire website working very hard. So if you guys want to see everything from opening day of Food and Wine Festival, just make sure to tune in to Mickey Blog on whatever platform and you'll get plenty of constant news. But before we get into specifics here and a little bit of history, I did want to ask you, Alyssa, do you have a favorite of the four Epcot festivals so you know what's really funny I, I love them all um you know it's sort of like trying to pick your favorite child um <laughs> you know which i won't you know we're not that's a, for another episode um but i have to say um i, I have two favorites is that okay can i can i, can I go <laughs> this with is the two most, favorites? this is the most you thing ever go ahead i know it's such a me thing and i just have to um so, and I'm not going to go into detail other than say, I love the Festival of the Holidays because as you know, Jared, you and I are team Christmas, team holiday. So love the, the Festival of the Holidays and everything that's about. But something that I didn't love at first, but really grew to love is the Festival of the Arts. I think yeah. it's the most underrated of the festivals. Um and I'm, and I know we could talk about it a little more in detail as we sort of cover each one, but uh, I'm a big fan. Yeah, no, yeah. I think that's great. I'm really glad you brought up Festival of the Arts because I do believe it is the most underrated. It's it's heavily like almost underappreciated. I think it brings it almost brings some needed and extra life to Disney during that time period because I think a lot of people during that time of year it's kind of like oh we just went through this like four or five month stretch of. Halloween and Christmas season and it was constant in it but Festival of the Arts is such a like it's a beautiful time of year the weather is fantastic and on top of that it's gorgeous to walk through so we will talk about Festival of the Arts but before we get into each one specifically I did want to mention of course that there are four festivals in total here starting with the Festival of the Arts which debuted back in 2017 
the Flower and Garden Festival, which debuted back in 1994. Food and Wine Festival, which debuted in 95, 96. However, there is some more history there, which Alyssa will go over in a second. And Festival of the Holidays, which officially debuted with that name back in 2017 as well. So a few of these are pretty recent, which I almost found a little surprising. It's almost like I, I, I always just like felt like they were there. But I, uh, I didn't even realize that uh, Festival of the Arts and, and Festival of the Holidays are, are actually pretty recent festivals. So Absolutely. So I have a little, I have a little fun little history factoid I'd love to share with you, Jared, and our listeners, if I may. Um, and, and I'm going to read it so I don't mess up because I, I don't want to assume that I memorized everything. That would, that would actually be a detriment to all of us. I'd be giving completely inaccurate facts and people at that point would um, not know what the, what, what, what the truth was. So this is interesting. Allow me. The history of festivals at Epcot actually began in Disney Springs, then called the Walt Disney World Village in 1981. Going back wow. a ways. That's when the Walt Disney World Village Wine Festival was introduced. It was a yearly celebration that featured local winemakers, but didn't really include food. It was moved to Epcot after the success of the Flower and Garden Festival and is one of the most popular festivals for visitors and locals alike. Wow. Yeah. Nice little factoid there. That really is very, very cool. I think, you know, yeah, very interesting. Things... Who, I, who knew? I, I didn't know. Um, I'm not even sure I knew that that was called the Walt Disney World Village. It, neither did I. I mean, we're, we're yeah. learning. Look, for our listeners who really think we're experts, uh, we're just pretending to be. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, uh, no, we, we just have our moments. But I was one of the things that that, you know, was something I actually when I was going down the rabbit hole, per se, of my festival research for this episode was it always felt like, OK, is it just me or am I crazy? Like, is food and wine starting earlier and earlier and earlier every year? And yes, I, I was indeed not going crazy. In fact, as early as 2016, the festival didn't start until September 14th. So now this year, this festival starting in July 27th. And it's funny because July 27th is two weeks after it actually started um, last year. So we're, we're actually pushing it back. Yeah. So it actually is pushing closer to like, you know, the start of the fall, but it is, that is a kind of an ironic, like, almost, I, I wouldn't say it's a complaint, but I'm sure you've heard this before, Alyssa, but a lot of fans are like, why am I eating such fall oriented food in the heat of July? And so Disney did something recently in the last few years that I found to be very effective. And I really enjoy where they split up a few of the booths. So for food and wine festivals, some of the booths don't open up until the fall season. And for this year, those booths are actually opening up during the Disney 100 celebration in late September. So there's going to be a lot going on in late September, which, of course, we will be covering. But, you know, when it comes to festivals spe specifically, I do like how now food and wine, instead of being a more fall oriented festival, they actually have more summer oriented items during the first half of the festival. Second half of the festival, they will bring out some more fall oriented items. So I really like that. And I also uh, personally, when it comes to my favorite festival, I'm, I'm a big festival of the holidays fan just because, you know, I'm a huge Christmas person, but um, I have a lot of love for all four. And just from a photography standpoint, I think we can all agree flower and garden festival is pretty amazing too. So 
So, Jared, let me ask you this. And you mentioned about, am I dreaming about, you know, sort of when it started? <laughs> am I dreaming that Food and Wine is the longest festival um, at Epcot in terms of from when it starts to finish? Am I, that could be a, an elute. I could be absolutely delusional. Um, it feels like food and wine lasts a very long time, more so because we live here. So every time you visit Epcot, it seems like, oh, wow, the festival's still going on. Um, am I am I inaccurate in thinking that's the longest festival? No, um, you're not inaccurate. The So what's interesting, you bring that up. Uh, food and wine festival, especially this year specifically, is... The longest. It's not as long, uh, that much longer though than Flower and Garden, as you think. The other that's two, bit. that's not a long one. Yeah, yeah. The other two yeah. are significantly shorter. I mean, we're talking, for example, Festival of the Holidays for 2023 is going to be running from November 24th through December 30th. Like it's that's like a little over a month. You know, that's five weeks. Whereas uh, the Food and Wine Festival, Alyssa, is running for like five months. So it, it's a significant jump in terms of how long that festival is. Uh, so you, you're definitely not imagining that. However, I will say Flower and Garden Festival does run for a long time. It used to run until late May slash early June, in, including in 2020, of course, you know, March 15th, Disney World closed down. So that was a different case, but, you know, it didn't get to run the whole time. But back in 2020, Flower and Garden Festival was scheduled to run from March 4th through June 1st. So it's only been three years now, and now it ran from March 1st through July 5th. So that's a whole nother month they added to the festival uh, for Flower and Garden for this year. So, you know, I almost feel, you know, and I, and maybe, maybe you'd have some thoughts on this too. Like a lot of Disney fans have actually heard Disney fans say, well, it kind of feels like Disney almost needs another festival for the summer months because they've been extending flower and garden longer into later in the summer. And then they've also been extending uh, food and wine to earlier, earlier in the fall. Closing the gap. Later in the summer. So they're trying to close that gap there because I actually spoke to quite a few people in the industry who've told me Disney wants a festival going on at Epcot almost all year long, which makes perfect sense. I mean, it makes people want to go. I have to say, um, I feel like when I was younger and would come to Disney, um, didn't live here, I felt like as the festivals were were introduced one by one, um, they were sort of a a unique part of your Walt Disney World, you know, experience. Um, and now, like you just said, I think Disney it, it was like you weren't guaranteed to mm. hit a festival no matter what time of year you went. Like, so, you know, if there was just one festival that was introduced, if you weren't there on vacation during that time, you did not hit an Epcot festival. I think Disney's maybe, I don't want to speak for Disney. They want every guest whenever they visit, whatever time of year to experience a festival, whatever mm. festival that is. Um, I have to say, if, you asked my opinion, which I think you did. And if you didn't, I'm giving it to you anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I would like to see personally a festival that um, focused on summer um, mm -hmm. where, so they, they ended the flower and garden a little bit early, kept food and wine a little bit more towards what feels a little bit more like autumn and fall. And, 
did something that was um, summer focused. Um, I don't know what that is. I'd have to go and do some R&D and to figure out what that meant to me. Um, certainly summer, you know, summer foods, um, focusing on fruit and vegetables, um, mm. produce, um, you know, light fare. If that makes yeah. sense, you know, being that it's so hot there. Um, but I feel like that could be something um, that would be, I think it would be welcomed. Yeah, I actually agree. I, I was, um, you know, that's sort of where my head's at as well. If they went back to kind of sort of how things used to be when it came to Flower and Garden and ended Flower and Garden, let's say late May, and didn't start food and wine until early September, you got you know, June, July, August there to work with. That's a three month span. You could run a completely different festival and a summer festival, you know, you could call it, you know, festival of the sun or whatever. They're going to come up with a better name than Jared. But the point is, is that like that summer festival could absolutely be more focused on like the most refreshing food and drink items around the globe and, and how different cultures like to cool off and how different cultures appreciate celebrate summertime, celebrate summertime. You know, that that's, that's a great idea. And I think it would add some more excitement, um, you know, towards that time of year, because again, it's almost, I, I remember I, I've spoken to people before where like there it's like mid June and they're like, it's still flower and garden, or it's like, early August and they're like, it's food and wine already. So it's kind of like you actually have a time period there where you could do something different. Well, so, you know, just kind of piggybacking on that. I think all of us, I don't want to speak for everybody. I'll speak for myself. I think, and this is not Disney related. It's, I think a very, um, you know, um, it's happening everywhere with any kind of um, retail. Everything gets pushed really, really too quickly. Um, so just an example, um, I was in a store yesterday and there was not just a little table, but an entire section of Halloween merchandise, <laughs> which is cats, pumpkins. I mean, I'm talking full on, and I know there's some Mickey blog people who are probably <laughs> listening to this and they're running, they're probably getting in their car right now, heading over to the store. They don't even know what store cause I didn't say what it was, but anyway, um, I think we rush things anyway, as a society, you know, like mm -hmm. it's, we just had July 4th and I'm looking at witches, pumpkins and black cats. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't feel yeah. right. You know, um, I feel like before Christmas is over, I'm seeing Valentine's day. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not getting, so how about we slow down a little bit, enjoy the moment we're in and rather than rushing all the things rather than, you know, we can add a festival that's celebrating the moment we're in. And the time yeah. frame that we're in. You know, I, I never thought that this festival episode would suddenly take a pretty deep and dramatic turn. But I got to say, yeah. I completely agree. And I think it's an important lesson for everybody to think about when it comes to life in general. Because, like, I got married last year. And I remember spending, like, the whole, like, six months prior to getting married. Like, all I could think about was, like, my wedding day and all that. And then it happens. And it happens so fast. That so much of the time you think to yourself, like, man, I kind of wish I just enjoyed like, like life in the moment, those six months mm -hmm. prior, instead of thinking about this one day, every single day, I should have just enjoyed every day as it comes. Because, you know, I agree with you. Like, for example, as, as we've talked about before, both you and I, I love the holidays. I love 
Christmas and Disney at Christmas specifically. However, it's special because you got that anticipation, because you wait all that time, because it doesn't come until November, December sort of thing. Christmas at Disney would not be special if they had decorations up six months a year. It's not as special that way. So it's important for us to enjoy like the moments as they come in each festival in each time period, like summer, like, look, I, and you're right. We have some team members on Mickey blog that are going to completely disagree with us because they're all ready for <laughs> Halloween right now. But I just feel like, look, I, I'm excited for Halloween season, but like, let me get through July and August first. Like, and don't get me wrong. August we'll, we're getting there with not so scary, but you know, just, I, I agree with you. So jumping into this festival specifically though, let's talk first with festival of the arts. Of course it is the first festival of the year. Um, and Festival of the Arts typically runs from mid-January through late February. So again, this is a much shorter festival than what you're looking at with uh, Flower and Garden and Food and Wine. However, as I mentioned before, it is a gorgeous festival with some of the best weather that you can enjoy all year. It's very, very gorgeous, in including the merchandise being very, very beautiful. And some of the highlights that you can expect include food studios, a chance to meet Disney artists and purchase their art. In fact, those Disney artists will be there at the festival, which is very cool. The chalk art, which I know, Alyssa, you're a big fan of. Um, the paint by number murals, Disney on Broadway concert series, artful photo ops, the figment brush scavenger hunt. So there's a lot to do during uh, Festival of the Arts. And I guess my question for you is any of those that I listed sort of stick out to you that you always get like excited for? So funny thing is, is um, I actually get really, I love it all. Um, you touched on some really great highlights of the festival. I will say that something that we've enjoyed as a family um, are definitely the artists that come in. Um, I love that the artists are there. I know not always, I know there's sometimes you'll go to a booth and it'll be an artist's work and someone representing the artist. That's fine. Um, but I'll just give you a quick example. Um, so my my oldest son was uh, in town, uh, I want to say about a couple years ago, um, and there was uh, an artist who was doing he does Disney, but he also did a lot of Marvel. Um, and my son was able to buy a one of one that wow. was one of his, yeah. One of his canvases. Um, and this particular artist was, you know, and he, he told my son about what it meant to him, why he, why he drew it, how long mm -hmm. it took him to draw. Um, he signed it. Um, and, it means so much to my son. Like, it's not just, oh, I have this really cool picture. It doesn't, you know, ah, it's cool. Um, I mean, he has a one of one. Kind of yeah. unique. Um, I love that they're, you know, a lot of these pieces or most of them are numbered. Um, the other thing I want to share, by the way, a little tip, if I may, when it comes to Festival of the Arts, I don't want to go astray. So bring me back in if I go too far. Um, a lot of the pieces that are numbered, a lot, I do find a lot of collectors like low numbers when it comes to collecting pieces of art. Um, if you are looking at the areas and you see, let's say I'm making this up, but a 45 out of 60 or a 55 out of 60, and you're like, ooh, you can actually ask for them to go where the others are located and bring you a number that you prefer if it has not been sold. Yeah. And I love that. Um, the other thing, just a little tip for our listeners, um, everything that you see, cause a lot of them are bulky and big can be shipped home. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and they also, not all, but many of the artists will accept annual pass discounts. Yeah. So just a couple little tips and tricks that I know from the festival. Um, I just think when you ask the question, what's special about this festival? I just think these artists getting to showcase their beautiful works of art and having the people recognize how special these pieces are and how unique they are. Um, I love it. And the best part is you can, it runs the gamut of prices. I've seen everything from little matted prints that are $20. I've seen pieces that are $20,000. So Mm. it's for every budget and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you. And one of the highlights for me personally is the chalk art. Um, I think that stuff is just like blows me away. I always get sad when the rain comes in and they got to redo it. But uh, but I was no, thinking it, about that. Yeah, because you look and you're like, oh, what's happening? I know it's kind of like sad. You're seeing like colorful waterfalls. Yeah. yeah. But but no, it, it it's really really gorgeous. And Figment actually takes a huge like center stage during Festival of the Arts, oftentimes. And and I just I really enjoy this festival. It's sort of short and sweet, but. I love that you actually mentioned that early on as one of your favorites, because I just assumed, and a lot of people assume like you're going to talk about the other three when it comes to your favorites. Uh, A lot of people have love for the next one we're going to talk about. And, you know, uh, I'm a huge holiday person, so I love that one, but lots of people love food and wine and growing up. And especially once I first like became more of like a a foodie and and more interested in that kind of stuff, uh, like, you know, late teens, early twenties, I was huge into food and wine, but I've really gotten to appreciate Festival of the Arts more and more as I've gotten older. So it's a gorgeous festival, but jumping into the next one, of course, we're going to be doing some like sort of shorter run throughs through the, through the three other festivals. And we'll get more into detail with food and wine, just because food and wine, it's that time of year and food and wine is about to start. We'll do, we'll do whole episodes on, on the other festivals, of course, down the line. Uh, just so everybody knows. But the next festival we're going to briefly talk about is Flower and Garden Festival, which of course recently uh, wrapped up here at Walt Disney World. But so to go over some of the dates and the highlights of this festival, um, the Flower and Garden Festival starts in early March and typically goes through early July. Of course, it has gotten longer over the years as we talked about earlier. But some of the highlights for this festival, of course, the outdoor kitchens and stands, things like that. But the big highlight are the topiaries. The topiaries that are just located all across the parks. Fans absolutely love them. It's a huge, huge highlight for lots of people all over the place. One of the big highlights that I personally really love too is the Butterfly House, which comes every single year. It's located by the Land Pavilion. There's also a variety of gardens and trails you can walk through around World Showcase, which is very cool. Different themed merchandise, of course. The Garden Rock series, which brings a lot of very popular artists, uh, both recent and uh, from many, many moons ago, uh, that are very popular and lots of people line up for their favorite artists that show up for the Garden Rock series. So out of all those items and all those highlights, Alyssa, any favorites or anything that you particularly love when it comes to flower garden? Gotta be the topiaries. Yeah, Gotta be. I mean, that's just like, to me, I am in awe. And I've, and, and you know, this Jared, sometimes they bring new ones. I believe, I don't want to misspeak. So tell me, you know, you could throw me under the bus and be like, absolutely incorrect information. I'm good. Cause I know that, yeah, I don't know everything, yeah. 
I believe the Encanto topiaries were new this year. Correct. Please? Yep. <laughs> okay. Correct. Yes. Encanto was new this year, and this year the other new one was uh, Tiana. That was the other yes. I mean, and so I love the fact that you're always going to see something new, but I love seeing they're like old friends that come back mm. out. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you see Winnie the Pooh in you know in um in uh, Great Britain, um, Captain Hook. Um, yeah. Love seeing Tinkerbell. Um, I could just go on. They're just, they're amazing. And it is like seeing old friends, you know, mm. um, you just kind of walk around you're like, oh my gosh, you know, there's Pooh again, holding the red yeah. balloon. Um, yeah. it is, it's great to take pictures with them, not only of them. I will say one of my favorites, and I'm kind of in awe of it every single time I see it, um, is, uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. When yeah. I see those topiaries and each one, the dwarfs are all lined up one, you know, next to each other. Um, it's just amazing. You, you never get tired of the beauty of them and what went into putting them together. Um, so I have to say topiaries. I mean, just no question about it. Can't wait for them to, to go up and take pictures with them and of them and see each one of them. Yeah, I yeah. I agree with you. I also, like I mentioned, I really love the butterfly house. I think that's really cool because it highlights, you know, that whole species and you get to walk around and learn more about butterflies. Like they're not just like that pretty bug. Like there's there's a very distinct reason for that species. And, and of course, that's another great aspect of flower and garden is the educational aspect of it. You're walking around and you're learning about all these different, you know, crops and produce and all these things it's basically like taking living with the land and just like spreading it all over the park basically which exactly. is, which is exactly really what walt would have wanted because the idea behind epcot was to be a very grand educational experience like you're learning not just about the past but also the future about cultures like that's the whole point of epcot so i also really love the topi topiaries of course as you mentioned but i'd be remiss if i didn't mention that in my opinion, Flower and Garden has some of the most underrated food of the year. Um, a lot of people focus on food and wine, which we're going to get to. But I just think there's certain food items that Flower and Garden that always blow me away. Every single year, I always remember thinking to myself, you know what? This is really good. Like, it's kind of shocking me. I don't know. So, uh, yeah. you know, that's that's just something um, that I I had to mention, including Brunch Cot, which was a huge hit this year. And that was the first true brunch booth at uh, one of these festivals. So that was a big hit. But really, really love Flower and Garden Festival and um, and can't wait to to cover it in more details in future episodes, of course. If you'd like to check out, actually, our Flower and Garden Festival for episode from this year, we dive fully much more into that episode. So feel free to check that out. But I was going to say, Jared, also, if I may, um, it doesn't stink that our jobs are to eat the food and yeah. rate the food and bring the food in beautiful pictures and whatnot. But we, but let's be honest, we take them, we, the camera eats first, right? We know that, mm -hmm. but after the camera eats, we get to eat. And so it's not a bad gig that we it's get really to not. eat. Yeah. So like when food and wine does come out, I'm not going to hate that. I'm, you know, I'm taking one for the team. I'm going to be trying <laughs> and eating a lot of this new food and then sharing my experiences. I don't hate that at all. So no, there, just there, to say are, there are much worse jobs to have. Yeah, it's not earth. bad. It's like, not bad. No, nope. it's not bad. 
But uh, no. I am going to skip over food and wine again. The whole second half of this episode, we're talking food and wine. So don't worry. I'm just going to talk briefly about Festival of the Holidays. Uh, and then we're going to jump into food and wine um, once we hit our break. But Festival of the Holidays, of course, happens from late November through early December. As I mentioned, it's a five-week-long festival. So this is like the shorter of the festivals. However, uh, it's really packs a punch. It's really gorgeous. One of my favorite things to do every holiday season. And it is my favorite Epcot festival. And the reason I say that is because one of the things I just grew up, I just assumed Christmas was like a thing all over the world. Like that was it, you know? Yeah. So it's, it was fascinating to me when I got older and I got to learn about how these different cultures celebrate these, this big festive time of year. Like there's certain, there's certain cultures that yes, they do celebrate Christmas and they dive in even harder sometimes than America does. Like Germany, for example, is a massive birthplace of, of Santa Claus and the whole culture of Christmas. But you also can go to the UK pavilion during festival of the holidays and learn about father Christmas and all that culture. You can learn um, all about uh, Hanukkah and that culture about Kwanzaa about there's so many different, you know, festive ways that all over the globe, people celebrate the holidays. And I think it's important that that people get to learn about that because that's my favorite part about Epcot is learning about different cultures across the globe. Even if you're not able to travel there, you can, you can pretend you're traveling for a second and take a lap around world showcase and learn about these cultures. So to jump into an, a few highlights of this festival, of course they have holiday kitchens, which uh, in, in uh, other episodes we've talked about, but I know Alyssa is a huge fan of this. She always goes first night of every single year and also uh, with a specific narrator too, but uh, Candlelight Processional is a big one. Um, that is a huge, huge hit that happens every year during Festival of the Holidays. Olaf's Holiday Tradition Expedition Scavenger Hunt, the World Showcase Storytellers. Again, they're storytellers and performers in every single, like, you know, uh, pavilion across World mm -hmm. Showcase. You got Joyful, which is a gorgeous gospel and R&B group. Um, and then certain rides actually get holiday overlays, which is very cool. And they have the holiday cookie stroll, of course, themed merchandise. So, you know, what sticks out to you? Of course, we could talk all day about Candlelight Processional, but, um, you know, what what sticks out to you about this festival and, and what are some of the reasons you, you typically um, recommend this festival, especially when, for yourself, Alyssa, like, you know, with the agency, uh, you know, Mickey Travels books, trips every day, uh, Disney trips every day. So when you're talking to a client, why would you basically suggest, uh, you know, festival of the holidays? I mean, obviously the holidays are just absolutely beautiful. I know we're going to have probably more, not probably, we're going to have more podcasts that are going to just focus on Halloween, Christmas holidays. I know we're going to do that. So we're not going to we could talk for hours about just everything <laughs> yeah. across the Walt Disney World Resort. Um, but I do love that this is just a little taste of what you really hit on the nail on the head. And that is, you know, being able to go to the different countries and not only seeing, like you mentioned about how Christmas is celebrated there, but their traditions. Mm -hmm. um, you know, each country that is part of the World Showcase has their own traditions and it is learning. But it's also really fun just to kind of see how different it is because we all know how, you know, we celebrate with our families and our friends. So I do love that. I have to mention Candlelight Processional, as you said. 
Um, it mm. is the highlight of the festival. Um, it is one of the most beautiful, moving, um, theatrical um, presentations that I think Disney puts on any time of year. Um, I, I think I would put that up against any performance anywhere, which is really, really big to say that, right? Because Disney, you know. But um, I do want to say one little factoid, if I may. Um, mm. So as you just mentioned, or you mentioned earlier, Jared, the Festival of the Holidays did debut in 1996. Seems like forever ago. But this I did not know. So let me read this to you and our and our and our listeners. So <laughs> later in 1996, Epcot launched the Holidays Around the World celebration anchored by the Candlelight Processional. The Candlelight had been moved from Magic Kingdom to Epcot in 1994. The Holidays Around the World celebration started out small in 96 with some food and beverage offerings, as well as the holiday entertainment from around the world. So it did. So Candlelight Processional did start in Magic Kingdom and was moved over to Epcot when the Festival of the Holidays was created, which I honestly, I think it would work both places, but I think it sits beautifully in its home where it is in Epcot. Um, and so I love that whoever thought of making that a big highlight of the festival is great. The narrators are great. Um, I'm not going to lie. I do have a couple favorites. Um, Last year, this two years actually running, but last year we had, we stood a long time and we were first in line and got incredible seats to watch Neil Patrick Harris. Cause it's like, they're all amazing. But to me, it's like, he just epitomizes what the candlelight processional is all about. Um, yeah. But you can't go wrong with any of the narrators. So let me just say each one of them is usually there. Jared, three nights. I think that's, yeah, About, typically, right? typically two to three nights is usually how yeah. how long they run. Some go for shorter, some go for longer. But, but they're just amazing. Mention, yeah, I, I will mention um, they have new narrators every single year, and they'll announce them, you know, ahead of time. Announce who's the new narrators, who's the returning narrators. There's okay. been several over the years that have been like returning that people really love, like Neil Patrick Harris. Mm -hmm. Uh, Josh Gad was a big new one last year. Uh, however, Whoopi Goldberg is someone who's returned multiple times. She's very popular. Uh, and they've done, they've just done a, an excellent job with him. And it really is like one of the few things where like, like people think you have to be like very into it, like religious and everything. No, 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 no. That's not how it is. They, yes, they tell that story. However, it's just such a gorgeous telling. The music is so beautiful. And when you're sitting there in the theater at nighttime, it's like, it's hard not to be like, okay, I'm ready for the holidays kind of thing. Like it, it really just like sends you right into the season, you know? If it doesn't move you in some way, it doesn't have to be religious, just in some way, I don't know. You might want to go check out what, <laughs> why that is because, but one of the things real quick, Jared, I don't want to, I know we have to move on. <laughs> I don't, I do want to mention about the candlelight processional, which I think is also really, really exciting. Um, and that is, it is an open air, air theater. So this is, yes, there are candlelight processional dining packages that are going to guarantee seating. People wait in line very long time to get seating. But the best part about this is, you can stand outside the theater. You could be walking by the theater and still get a glimpse, hear the music, and still be a part of it. 
Um, so that's one of the things I do love. I don't feel like it's an exclusive presentation that unless you buy a ticket or, you know, you stand in line for seven hours, you're not going to be a part of it. Di Disney and the festival does allow everybody to hear it and be a part of it, whether you're sitting or standing or walking by. Yeah, I yeah. totally agree. I think it's, I think it's just a spectacular event and you know as Alyssa said we're gonna have plenty of episodes where we dive deeper into the winter time and, and into that festival and all of the other festivals um so not to worry um but regardless we're going to uh talk briefly as we always do and mention that this episode and every episode of the mickey blog podcast is sponsored by mickey travels mickey travels is a nationally recognized leader in disney vacation planning they are diamond earmarked by Disney and their services are always 100% free. Reach out to Mickey Travels today for a free quote on your Disney vacation at mickeytravels.com. That's mickeytravels.com, making magic one vacation at a time. And of course, the big key to reaching out to Mickey Travels is they're gonna be able to help you decide which of these festivals is best for you and your family or your friends or whoever's going with you. And they're gonna have all the best expert tips, advice, tricks everything in between on you know best times to visit and and even you know tips for you when you actually go to the festival so definitely reach out to them if you ever need help with that in the future but regardless to talk more about food and wine specifically because of course food and wine festival for 2023 does begin on july 27th we are recording this the week before so that'll be coming out next week uh officially as we mentioned we will be there all day but new for the 2023 festival, there will be four booths, including Char and Shop, Wine and Wedge, Bubbles and Brine, and Swirled Showcase. Those are all opening later this fall. So these are going to be four, fest four festival booths that will be new to the festival, but we actually will not be covering them next week because they won't be open next week. They will be opening later on this fall, which again, I personally like. I'm not sure how you feel about that, Alyssa. I personally like because it kind of like adds that extra like, oh, okay, like the excitement of food and wine is sort of wearing off. And then they reel you back in with some new stuff, you know? So it's like, they they want you to keep being excited and they do a good job at breaking things up that way. I am a fan of it. Um, I also think that a lot of times, first of all, I love the names of the booths always. I think they're so much fun. Um, but I also think that sometimes they will, at different festivals, but specifically food and wine, they will bring in booths later on where the food makes a little more sense for the time of year. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so for example, something that might be a little heavier, a little, you know, something that's, a, that's you know, very hot and something you're like, don't really want something that heavy in July or August, but in, you know, September, as I'm starting to feel the fall you know, feels and the vibes. Yeah. I think I want something like that. So I think they, you know, they sort of just dangle the carrot a little bit so that they're giving you enough, but not giving it all to you at once. So like you said, just when you might be thinking it's time for something new, Disney's keeping the same festival, but bring a couple of new booths. Yeah, absolutely. On top of that, they also do new artists every year to the E to the B concert series, which I think is great. Some of the, some of the uh, concert series artists are people that uh, return. Uh, for example, you know, 
Um, Boys to Men are a big popular one that that has been here for several years. Billy Ocean is a returning one this year. You know, so there are certain concert series artists that return from previous years that people really love. Um, but regardless, some basic information that that you should really know when it comes to uh, wanting to go to this year's, uh, you know, Food and Wine Festival beyond the four new booths that, as I mentioned, will be opening up closer to the Disney 100 celebration. I'm sure we're going to do an entire episode on the Disney 100 celebration. Um, that begins on September 22nd, um, and it will be housed at Epcot. So this will be kind of interesting this year, Alyssa, because we're going to have the Disney 100 celebration and Food and Wine Festival happening simultaneously over at Epcot. So Epcot's going to be very busy, a lot going on over there. And it's kind of a very exciting time, though, because they're also planning on opening up Moana's attraction, a walkthrough attraction later this fall. And, you know, Epcot's going to like be finally kind of almost com fully completed, basically, in opening up to everybody at the same time as the Disney 100 celebration and the same time as Food and Wine. So that's there's a exciting. lot of wall. Those walls, I I'm going to be honest, we got to get the walls down. There's, yeah. there's just this, and it's right smack dab in the middle. And I love that. I know there's great stuff going on just, you know, behind the walls, but I'm excited to have, it's been a long time. If you really think about it, Jared, since Epcot has just completely been open yeah. every part, there's been, it's been a heavily constructed theme park yeah. for a very long time. Um, everything from building Guardians of the Galaxy to moving, um, well, what used to be mouse gear, now, you know, creations, um, that whole area. Um, you know, now you've got the whole middle with Moana. It just, there's been a lot of, it's almost hard to navigate through sometimes because this is closed and that's closed and go this way and mm. go roundabout. And I get it. Like, I'm not criticizing Epcot because, you know, Epcot is the magic of possibility. And they're always, you know, bringing bigger and better things. I'm just excited for it to settle down and not be as, you know, the walls, the construction, the cranes, the noise. It'll be nice to have Epcot back to the way it was with some new and exciting features. Yeah, I yeah. totally agree. I mean, the the jokes of Walcott and things like that mm -hmm. uh, have long been going on. And, um, you know, I think little by little, they've been they've been opening things up over the past year and a half, two years. And, and that's been exciting. I mean, obviously, Guardians was a huge monumental moment for them to to open such a huge attraction and also have it be as universally loved as it is um that was a big moment for epcot but on top of that they've opened up connections you know they've opened up uh you know multiple aspects of that corner of the park with uh you know the new starbucks locations and you know so it it is interesting how epcot has been getting developed, obviously Remy's Ratatouille adventure, but we're getting just so close now to it being like fully, okay, no construction. We're fully open. Here you go. No more walls, walk around kind of thing. We're getting very close to that, which I think yeah. all Disney fans are excited for, but this falls specifically people are very excited for. And again, we're probably going to go over all the Disney 100 stuff in a separate episode, but people are very excited for the Disney 100 celebration and Mickey and Minnie being in their new outfits and having a meet and greet. Of course, Beacons will have its own show and new fireworks shows. It, it just lots of stuff going on all at once. But for this year for Food and Wine as well, you have a lot of returning booths that are just very, very yeah. popular um, that I'd have to give a shout out to. And that includes... 
the whole Emile's Fromage montage. Now, this is a very big deal for the foodie fans. Okay, so if you've never heard of the Fromage montage, just uh, listen to Jared's podcast ramble of the week. Basically, guests are invited to purchase any of the five cheese dishes that you choose from the global marketplace listed on your festival passport. And if you're able to complete it all, then you get basically like a bonus treat at the end, which is pretty cool. So some of the participating locations, for example, are India with their curry spice crispy cheese or Germany uh, with their cheese over there, the griddle cheese from Greece, which is a popular one, you know, Canadian cheddar and bacon soup, which we've talked about before, Alyssa, that's a popular item over in Canada. Um, so there's a, basically you get these five stamps and then you can go over to Shimmering Sips for a complimentary prize that is completely unique to Food and Wine Festival. So that's pretty fun. And a lot of people like participating in that. And in general, this is obviously your festival to go. If you like to eat and drink, this is where you want to go. Okay. Because the other festivals absolutely have new unique food items with all their booths. But this has the most booths by far out of all the other festivals, and it has the most food items, food and drink items by far out of all the other festivals. So if you're ready to eat, if you're if you're basically what I'm saying is don't eat much the day before you go to food and wine. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. And and by the way, another little another little uh tip or not tip, fact that um is interesting. Gonna read this for our listeners. Um, so, um, as I mentioned, the food and wine festival, um, was moved to Epcot, uh, cause it started over in Disney Springs as well as we know it. Um, and it featured 25 booths, uh, including many that still exist today. But interestingly, there are a few food items and I'm going to name what they are. The Canadian cheddar cheese soup that Jared just mentioned Poland's pierogies and Germany's apple strudel have never left the menu since the festival started. Wow. So I thought that was kind of interesting because, you know, many foods have sort of come and gone and new ones exist, you know, come to be. And, um, but there's certain ones and I'm sure that they probably heard from guests, which ones they love um, that really do stand the test of time and have never left the festival since the day it started. Yeah. I thought that I was that's, interesting. I think that is very interesting. And you know, when it comes to when it comes to this festival and this time of year, you know, my favorite my favorite aspect of really this entire festival is again the whole point of Epcot and the whole point of World Showcase specifically is you're learning about these different cultures. And one of my biggest pieces of advice that I give people who've never been to Epcot before in general is explore the countries because it's, you might see Epcot and be like, oh, there's, there's not that many rides and stuff like, yes, that's true. But that's not necessarily the point of Epcot. You, when you walk around World Showcase and you explore each country and you realize how good of a job these Imagineers did theming each country so well after, you know, these different iconic locations across the world that goes, you know, hand in hand together with some iconic food items from each country that food and wine brings out, you know, so similar to what Alyssa was talking about, you know, there's certain, there's certain food and drink items that not only can you not really get anywhere else in the world, but they're like heavily known for it. And of course they're going to highlight that, but, um, you know, so just just be aware of that, and without a doubt, be prepared for new 
food and drink items every single year. I believe uh, my co-worker and I, uh, as we're putting together our game plan for the festival, we counted well over 45 new food and drink items this year for the festival. So um, Alyssa's like, oh God, wow. I don't know. I, I'm I guess ready. I'm, not, I'm going I, with an, I'm going with an empty stomach. I'm gonna. I'm waking up. I'm. I'm gonna be like. I'm gonna be ready. Like so you, I'm ready to eat. Gotta be starving. That's that's the one one real real requirement. The so. other thing, Jared, I wanted to mention that I know a lot of people, the listeners know, but in case you didn't, or not you, but anyone didn't know, they also have um, like festival like. Um, well, first of all, they have they. They have little festival passports. So I love that, mm-hmm. that you get these little booklets and, um, you know, you know, you're not going in blind. You kind of know where each of the booths are. Certainly, you know, you walk around. I think it's fun just to kind of stumble upon them personally. Um, but you know where they are, you know what they offer. So that's great. But there's also an opportunity and I, I know there's a name for them. Jared, you can tell me what they are, where it's, um, like a, a little wrist um sort of a i call it a gift card but it's it, you know each of the festivals have it where you can purchase can load it with money and just go around and eat and drink and just all you do is it just uh has one of those spirally things that is on your wrist mm-hmm. i'm sure there's a name for it probably wrist something <laughs> <laughs> um and what's nice is you can purchase those really all around epcot um, and what I think is nice is just that's a convenience factor because rather than having to always, you know, you can always use your magic band, of course, but if you don't have a magic band, you're taking out your wallet, you know, this way you load it and then you just tap, 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 tap all around the different booths and eat and drink and just another kind of convenient thing. I also think it's really nice if um, just as a quick example, and I'm thinking like a travel agent now, um, but if there's grown kids or kids with friends and they kind of go off in a different direction, you can load that for them. And then they don't have to worry about, oh, well, we have to follow you around to eat stuff. You know, they can go and do their thing and have it preloaded and then go and enjoy all of the offerings. Yeah. And on top of that, there's also, uh, which have become more and more popular over the years, the uh, eat to the beat dining packages that um, that lots of people like to purchase. And essentially what that enables you to do is enjoy a meal at several of the main sit down and, and popular restaurants across Epcot. And then on top of that, you'll also get a separate entry into those um, Eat to the Beat concert series shows. Uh, Now, this is especially popular during Festival of the Holidays when it comes to getting Candlelight Processional because getting the closer seats for Candlelight Processional and getting in earlier just pays off for those big celebrity narrators. But if there's a certain artist on the list of performers uh, that you want to see for the Eat to the Beat concert series, you can utilize this. And just a little pro tip, uh, there they do offer uh, Regal Eagle, which is the only one that really you can get like same day dining packages, and it's like a quick service dining package that you can still get that access to like better seating, but you're also getting you know that that dining package. So that's really cool. And one other thing that I wanted to mention too, Alyssa, I'm not sure uh, how much you've you've noticed and utilized this yourself, but. You know, when it comes to every single year, I've noticed a lot of the uh, the locations that stick around 
um, year round Joffrey stands and, and connections eatery and, and cafe and stuff like that. Like those are, um, those are actually, those actually have unique offerings for food and wine festival. So it is worth going in there. Like the Starbucks, you might see like, Oh, it has like a unique drink and a unique, um, food offering that you can only get at that Starbucks for food and wine. So something for people to consider as well, because it's, I mean, I just figure if you guys just really get hungry and you need more food and more <laughs> drinks, we're here to There's help you. There's more. <laughs> well, I agree <laughs> with you also with um, you know, obviously Starbucks. Um, but um, I do, I do think I, I do want to give a little quick shout out to Joffrey's because they are very, very good about seasonal and festival uh, unique drinks. That um, mm -hmm. and I've also noticed, um, Jared helped me along with this one. Also, um, there's a lot, there's a lot of Joffrey's throughout, you know, even one park. There's not just like one. And I do find whereas Starbucks is usually like a one. It's like a one, you know, it's big. Mm -hmm. So it's like each park has one place. There's a lot of Joffrey's throughout, and even within one park, you can find a different Joffrey's drink over in Great Britain than you can by the American Adventure. So, right. and, you know, there's also a Joffrey's over by Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, mm -hmm. So you can sort of, even within the park, sort of say, oh, wow, like that's another new drink. And I just had a Joffrey's a little while ago somewhere else, um, which is really cool. And you have to give props to Joffrey's also. They are also um, at the entrance slash exit of Epcot, which I think is very, actually, I think that's true. Also, uh, definitely Animal Kingdom. Um trying to think of mm -hmm. uh animal kingdom also has a job for you too it's just nice yep. kind of like when you're about to walk out and you're like oh i just need something for the car ride or the bus ride or you know whatever um but that's really i also want to mention um just this real quick thing um the funnel cake stand which yeah. is uh by you know america uh the american adventure um they always do a new i mean their funnel cake is amazing if you haven't had one of their funnel cakes just even a straight up regular funnel cake with powdered sugar. It's really, really good. And they always, they always have their staples. I want to say it's like a regular, maybe like a cookies and cream. But every festival, they come up with a new festival funnel cake. Uh, I believe mm -hmm. this year's might be something a lot of people are probably going to like. I think it's going to be ice cream with some bacon on top. So mm -hmm. that's probably going to be a real popular one with uh, the the festival fans. Um, but that's another fun thing. So really, if you think about it, Jared, it's like, you know, between the booths, the standing locations themselves that are there year round, everybody gets into the, the party, if you will. You yeah. know, everybody sort of, you know, decides to, you know what, we're, we're going to add to this too versus, oh, we'll just let the booths do it. So, yeah. I mean, you can't eat it all in one day. I can tell you that yeah. right now. You, you can't see it all. You can't eat it all. We've Just tried. So we, we've tried. And, and it hasn't with gone as well people. as you think. With multiple <laughs> people. And it's still yeah. really, really, it's, it's hard. It's hard. But we do yeah. try. And I think what's, that's what's great about it, though, is, is they make you wanting to keep, want to keep coming back. Because it, it makes you want to book another trip or go a different day. Um, if you're a local, you you could say, okay, well, I'm coming back next weekend because the idea is, is that there's all these other booths and all these different food and drink items that you haven't gotten to try. And another thing that, you know, just to wrap up our episode, 
one of the main things I love about all four of these festivals is the way they price and go about their food and drink items, because, you know, a lot of the menu items are going to be charged between four to eight dollars. And the reason for that is they're giving you like taste testers, basically. So they're not going to charge you what, you know, they normally would for a full meal at a quick service restaurant. because It's not a full meal. So, but if you wanted to get bigger portions or if you wanted to try multiple things, Food and Wine Festival especially does a great job with flights. So if you wanted to try multiple different wines or multiple different beers or, you know, even the, the Shimmering Sips, which is a popular mimosa stand, there's, there's a way to do that. So The mimosa you know, flight is so good. It People is so, that. so good. Yeah. yeah. And Jared, like you were saying, um, I, if, for anybody who has not been to a festival, I sort of equate the the food to like a tapas mm -hmm. where it's just a little two, three bites, maybe a little bit more. Mm -hmm. But what's great about that is you can't, they can't give you more than that because then you wouldn't be hungry for the next, the next booth. Yeah. So it's just yeah. enough to, and, and you know, what's great is they're great for sharing. So if somebody gets this and somebody gets that, you can kind of take a bite each and it's enough for you to say, that was so good. Let's go on to the next one. So it is really, um, really fun. I do want to say one last thing, Jared, and I'm saying this without complete confidence, but I, I'm, I'm hopeful when I say this. Um, it certainly won't apply to this festival uh, and it won't apply to the holiday festival, but I am very hopeful that come the festivals like Festival of the Arts that starts in the beginning of 2024, that they will go back to allowing snack credits through the dining plan to be used mm -hmm. for different booths at the festivals. Cause that had, that was always such an easy thing for guests who purchased the dining plan where you could just go and order something. It was a snack credit. Um, again, at, just so I can stress this again, that will not be the case for this festival or the holidays festival festival, the holidays. Mm -hmm. If anything, it will be back in the new year. And I'm hopeful I've not heard that. I'm just not sure why that wouldn't be the case, but we're going to keep our fingers crossed. And I will tell you that uh, if you reach out to Mickey Travels, they will be able to share that information and help you with future festivals if that is the case. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we just hope, you know, throughout this episode, we've convinced you to not only try all four of these festivals if you haven't, but certainly enjoy food and wine because that is going to be our focus next week and our focus for the next few months here at Epcot specifically. That's what the everybody's going to be talking about. Don't forget that all four of these festivals do have unique and festival-specific merchandise. So if you're looking for specifically food and wine merchandise or Festival of the Arts merchandise, Flower and Garden, Festival of the Holidays, you there's a brand spanking new collection that comes out every single first day of that festival. We'll be covering that new collection next week. So be sure to follow along with us next uh, week as we cover the Food and Wine Festival for 2023. And while I'm on that same topic, of course, if you are new to Mickey Blog specifically, please do head over to mickeyblog.com for all the latest in all things Disney and follow us all across social media where you can get constant news from Disney, from the parks for, to the cruise line, to the streaming service, to the films and so much more. We cover it all here at Mickey blog. And of course, if you ever need help planning your Disney destination vacation, reach out to our friends over at Mickey travels. 
And we do hope you enjoyed this episode. So if you did, please give it a thumbs up and subscribe to see more of our content. And we'll catch you guys next Friday, as we always do, new episodes every Friday of the Mickey Blog Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode, and have a great rest of your day. Bye.